Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode 18 of the Footmarks podcast. I'm your host, Behram Kazi. You can find me at Def Mango on Twitter. And with me is Jared Kimber. And we're going to talk to him about his work, like we always do. This time, about the advent of two new balls in ODI cricket. We're calling it Two Bites at the Cherry, a title that I'm very, very proud of. But anyway, let's talk about the white ball, uh, Jared. Of course, you know, as opposed to the red ball, this has colored sprayed on it. It's not dyed. It's harder at the start. It swings more than the red ball. But then five overs in, it stops doing anything and it's also softer. And it degrades very, very quickly as well, which is why we've had this issue of having it changed. And prior to the two new ball rule, which was brought in in late 2011, you know, we still had a ball change. You know, I believe it was around the 34th over mark. But talk to me about Whenever the, the drinks were taken. Yeah. Just talk to me about the history of, you know, the white ball and you know, the need of having to change it and how we've had that over the years because it's been consistently two new balls since 2011. But before that, we had lots of changes. Yeah, so we, uh, essentially it was all about Kerry Packer. We wanted to play cricket at mm. night, obviously. And the, the red ball, for those, for those who don't understand why we don't use it, it creates the ball and the shadow mm. create this thing that actually makes it really hard to pick up. So it's not that you can't see the ball coming out of the hand, but from the minute it bounces, it becomes very difficult. So they worked that out very early on. Uh, they tried orange, yellow, maybe pink as well. Um, mm-hmm. White won the day. They knew, it wasn't ver- they, wasn't, they knew it wasn't a good solution, but they didn't care because it was just a TV gimmick and it didn't really matter. Um, I mean, the balls were literally put in a, a, bottle, uh, a thing of paint, I think, when they were first doing it. Mm. Um, and then they went back from there to um, uh, there were times when the balls would be bleached um, mm. mid-game and umpires would actually put paint and stuff on them to make them wow. more white um, to work out. <laughs> And I was talking to an international cricketer recently about hmm. the white ball and, you know, we're having this discussion. He says, the best way of telling how bad it is is if you've played cricket your whole life, hmm. if you've seen anyone ever scratch the ball for reverse hmm. swing or, or even pick the seam or whatever, hmm. generally the leather um, scratches, right? Whereas if you watch what happens with a white ball, if you start scratching it, there's just like a bunch of paint chips around. Hmm. And it's not quite paint chips, but you know what I mean. But it's a very poor ball. And... It's, so it's always been replaced. It's always been terrible. Mm. And everyone's always known this. It's been in plain sight. It's why we went to the two new balls originally. Mm-hmm. Um, at that stage, I would say that the white balls weren't as good as they even are now. And so that didn't massively help. And then you have that period from, I don't know, 2000, let's say, until 2011, where the umpires kind of unofficially 
just change the ball every time at that drinks break. And sometimes they might have changed it a little bit earlier if there was an issue. But it would get brown uh, or gray. Uh, or it green. Would, it, yeah, sometimes green as well, depending mm. on the ground. I mean, that was the other thing. It would pick up kind of whatever the ground had. Yeah. Um, but it would be soft and they would have to replace it. So when people say, oh, two balls, it's not two balls. We have had two balls from the beginning of white ball mm. cricket. We are specifically talking about the two new ball rule, which was brought yeah. about so that the umpires didn't have to make a decision on the ball. Mm. And also, we just saw in the ashes, there are some people who still think it was a conspiracy. Australia was defrauded <laughs> because someone brought out a box of balls and one of the balls swung more, right, than the previous yeah. ball, as if that's never happened before, Barron. But mm. um, uh, some people are like really worried. That just happened in one day cricket almost every game. Mm -hmm. Because every single game you would come out and think about those white balls, the umpires couldn't even tell how old they were, right? They were literally just going, that ball looks like it'll last another 15 overs, right? Sometimes the ball would be already be soft and sometimes it would be already been set up for reverse swing by someone. Sometimes you would be reverse swinging the ball and the umpire would replace it, right? So everyone yeah. was like madly tampering with the ball at the 30 over mark if they hadn't got any <laughs> reverse because they, they wanted to get a couple of overs in. Uh -huh. It was it was chaos, and anyone who thinks it was you know a better system than the current system is is just wrong. It was a mm. stupid system. Now, the current system's lazy, and I'm sure we'll get to all the different uh, parts of why that one's wrong as well. But that original system was how pathetic is it that the ball didn't last, and the only way to do it was have you got any training balls uh, in a box? <laughs> Bring some training balls out, and we'll just oh, that one looks okay. That's not how it should be played, at least with the test balls when we have that situation. They have the amount of overs that are written on them and everything else. They weren't even doing that with the white balls because essentially you mm. just had a brand new white ball or you had a ball that wasn't yet rubbish. And those were the only two options. Yeah, I mean, and uh, luckily Surrey wasn't in charge of all those balls, right? Because we, we had some drama last time that happened. But anyway, you spoke about how the ball change was viewed as politically, you know, incorrect or whatever, or it, it looked Motivated. bad politically. Yeah. Because um, India, of course, had won the World Cup and it seemed like this was a take on, you know, decreasing the prowess of spinners because, you know, you have two new balls. But what it essentially did was it killed reverse swing, which was one of the most dramatic skills, you know, in one day cricket and was pretty much absolutely erased. So what do you have to say with respect to that? Yeah, I think um, I think that it killed reverse swing, but certainly made the, new, the very new ball more potent. So... Mm -hmm. If you're a seamer and your main skill is reverse swing, you probably had a hard time of it. But most seamers, probably their main skill was conventional swing or conventional seam and probably had a better time of it, right? And so it is worth remembering that not all seamers were targeted. We know that it affected Wahab Riaz, Mitchell Johnson, yeah. and Lassif Malinga, but they all have the, the three very peculiar bowling actions, right? Mm. It's They're not as conventional as some other bowlers. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely think from that perspective that it had an impact on the game. What I would say is this. We don't have as much reverse swing in any form of cricket anymore. And that isn't just the two white balls, Bayram. That is because mm. when the wobble ball came in, people started preparing the wobble ball differently, right? Beforehand, swung the ball for about six overs in one day, then instantly started working on it for reverse. Well, with the um, reinforced seam, you can get, uh, the wobble ball to move around a lot longer, right? And you don't actually start to prepare the ball as early. And then you've got the saliva thing. Now, not all yeah. teams use saliva for reverse swing. Don't get me started on, on all that sort mm. of stuff. But the truth is that reverse swing has actually died out in the Red Bull game, mm. right? Without any conspiracy, right? It's just yeah. moved on because the game is different and because the ball is different. Mm. And 
So because of that, uh, not to mention that, you know, since South Africa, camera operators are following yeah. Bormore because they're waiting. It's a big thing for a camera operator or mm. a director of a TV, um, you know, broadcast to be able to catch someone out, which is yeah, also you gotta, huge. You've got to look out for mints. You've got to look out for sandpaper. You know, it's not All this just sort of stuff, uh, right? the, the bottle caps teeth. anymore. Teeth? Yeah, so, <laughs> teeth, of course. So, so, yes, like to have I, think there is, I think there is less reverse swing. But mm. the one thing I noticed in the numbers is there wasn't as many specialist reverse swing bowlers as mm. I thought there was. And even someone like Dale Stain, who was an absolute brilliant bowler of reverse swing and, you know, one of the best we've ever had, mm-hmm. he actually did better in the two new balls. And why is that? Because he was also brilliant at the top. If you're a one-dimensional yeah. cricketer and they took away your one dimension, then mm. you weren't as good afterwards. And Waha Rares is probably the best case scenario, uh, well, yeah. the worst case scenario, depending on which side of the fence you fall on. Hmm. Yeah, well, you speak of Wahab and those bowlers which have low arm actions, right? Mitchell Johnson and Lasit Malinga, of course, Wahab. And then also some of the taller guys like Ishan Sharma, Shane Watson, who saw quite a bit of a drop-off after this change. Is there any correlation over there? Like, what's the science? No, I don't think so. I think that was probably the Ishan Sharma and Shane Watson were probably actually very good at reverse. I mean, if you think back, Ishan, uh, Ishan could get the ball to tail a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I would say that probably in... in Shane Watson's case, yeah, he was actually for a period Australia's best reverse swing bowler. Um, mm. But by the time he just got a bit old and slow, and so it didn't matter as much. But he could certainly get it to wobble. But I think with him, what you had is a situation where he really wanted the ball to be soft and he could take the pace off it, which would make it harder to be able to hit him anywhere. And afterwards, he wasn't able to do that as much. So yeah, I, I don't think it was. I think that the only pattern I could see. Uh, was uh, that the, the lower arm action guys were there. But you did see Stuart Broad and Ishan Chamba were two tall guys. The problem mm. is that finding someone who bowled enough in both periods is not particularly easy. Yeah, There might have been other guys who, who might have fit either of those patterns or another pattern I didn't find who just got mm. dropped, right? Yeah. Wahab and Mitchell Johnson were so good you couldn't drop them and they both still had good games after that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Malinga... It took him from being a great bowler to being an average bowler in one-day cricket. You wouldn't have dropped him afterwards either. But there might have been other guys who were on the verge of of teams, anything that disappeared. So it's not a particularly... I mean, this is not an easy thing to work out these two different periods either. Um, I didn't get into the fielding changes, right? Because that also comes in. But part of the reason I didn't get into the fielding changes is because the four years before the two new balls, so with that Mm. one new ball, um, you actually had two different fielding um, structures being played at two different times. Then there's an overlap where they mm-hmm. both have the same amount and then you change the fielding. I, there's so many like random things like that I, I ran into that were so hard to to factor in. Um, uh-huh. But I didn't. what I didn't see is what I thought I would see, which is because mm-hmm. so many people have told me that it was terrible and that, that that was the moment that batters took over. And you go back and you're like, that was not the moment that batters took over. Mm. In fact, batters take over a couple of years later uh, than that. And that might have been a little bit of the T20 effect because players were playing more shots. Obviously, yeah. England start to attack a lot more around that time, and so they mm-hmm. changed things. But also then you did have the four fielders out from overs 10 to 40, and you had that with the new ball. That combination of those two things obviously played a part. But again, the balls are changed in the end of 2011, and we don't see the batters really take over until 2014. It's a long yeah. way after, right? Like... I. The argument that suddenly two new balls help the batters is just, it's nonsense. It does, it, it did not happen like that. 
Yeah, you mentioned a lot of things over there. Of course, you know, at that point, the game was speeding up as is. Teams were looking at larger totals. And of course, you know, there was more belligerence around the corner, more than ever before, at least. And there were more, constantly more runs in the game scored. So you can't just say that the two new balls is the reason why it became a batter-dominant sort of world. But you also spoke of Kukabura, you know, becoming obviously the monopoly with respect to white ball creation and them reinforcing the seam. And that really caused run scoring to go a bit berserk. Elaborate on that for me a bit, because I don't know this reinforcement of seam story. So do you remember the Australia-India test where India got bowled out for 36? And as a Pakistani yes. fan, I'm assuming you have it tattooed on your arm somewhere. No, 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 absolutely not. I remember that series because in- India won it. Yeah, right. it was yeah. incredible. That's the first game that I'm aware of at international level where Kookaburra released mm. their uh, reinforced seam. Could be wrong. Mm. Kukabara won't give me the exact details, but we're mm. pretty sure that's the game where they did it. From that point onwards in one-day cricket, the averages drop off a cliff. Mm. Okay? So after years of... And I mean, you, you saw it in the piece. It's not like it's a steep yeah. climb, but there's a, a general just, oh, it's getting a little bit quicker, it's getting a little mm. bit quicker. Then you have 2014, 2015, you're like, oh, there's a bit of a jump there, and then it gets a little bit quicker. And then suddenly, reinforced seam comes in. And what the reinforced seam does is... And this Kookaburra had no way of knowing that it would have this effect unless, because uh, I'm the one who's covered this more than anyone else, and I didn't even mm-hmm. see this coming. But they reinforced the seam on the on the red ball to make it more like the Duke's ball, which mm-hmm. actually means that they do it on the white ball as well, which means that the wobble ball is now a factor in mm-hmm. one-day cricket. Now, fact, factor that in with the fact you've got white balls at both ends suddenly you have a huge thing. So all this talk about how white ball cricket, uh, so the two new balls was helping the batters, the first real impact that we have is probably, if we're being honest, uh, a lack of runs. We lose runs. And it's all toward, it's all at the start of that, uh, the innings. That's where the drop-off is massive. And teams start to get 30 for three quite often and you know really struggling to get the ball off as you know people are just nipping it around in both directions. And that, is a far bigger impact than anything I could ever mm. find about the two new balls coming into the game. The two new balls kind of they kind of cancel each other out because what happens with the two new balls is bowlers get better up the front, so mm-hmm. that actually helps the bowling team. And then later on, um, batters cash back in. So I wouldn't say it it completely negates it. I still think it's probably slightly better for the batters because you can hit an you can. It's very easy to hit a boundary in the thirtieth over of a one day international now. Whereas go back and watch some of those old one-day internationals, it was not easy to hit a boundary in the 30th over just because that ball was just so soft by that point. Mm. Um, so I do think there is a change uh, from that perspective, but that's completely – the biggest change I found was when Kookaburra reinforced the seam, and that was actually a change that helped bowlers. But w- that's not the narrative that anyone wanted to hear when I did this piece. Um, and so if, if you see the comments of people sharing it in social media, they are, they're either shocked or they're almost angry that I did this. But remember, I went into it thinking broadly that I didn't, I knew the conspiracy was nuts because the ICCs, they didn't do it because of a conspiracy. Mm. They did it because they were embarrassed by what was happening. They had to fix the problem with the balls. Yeah. But I did think there would be more of an impact. And then when you look into it, you're suddenly like, there was not an impact Mm. at all. Cricket just kind of went on. Yeah, cricket definitely did. And uh, we look at, you know, you did a whole comparison of four years before the change and then four years after the change. And for reference to any listeners, every single stat that we're going to be talking about in this podcast is going to be looking at that eight-year period, four years prior and four years after. So it's October 
2011 is when the ball was changed. So it's four. Hmm. So if we're talking about prior, it's from October 2007 to 2011. Hmm. We're talking after with it's from uh, 2011 to 2015. Just just yeah. make it easier for everyone. So I'm going to talk about pace bowling first. And if we look at the runs per wicket, there's a 1.3 run jump over there. And then runs per over is also 0.28. So pace bowlers have found it definitely harder. And of course, you make the point that, you know, two new balls, you know, improves their pace bowling prowess in the power play. And they definitely benefit from that. But they're on, you know, every single phase of the game, they're worse than they were before. And, you know, adapt or die, as you once mentioned, but it's been quite hard on pace bowlers. And, you know, we see that the averages of openers in that period drops off significantly. Mm. The average of Watson, Gale, Gambier, all of these guys, like it's a quite a dramatic slide for those of you who haven't read the piece. But, you know, you'd expect that with the two new balls, but every other phase has gotten easier. So do you think that it's probably because, you know, the ball is still harder, you can hit it around, uh, it's harder for longer, and then reverse swing is completely out. What do you think is the main contributing factor? Or it could be just the fact that, you know, cricket has gotten faster. So what do you think is like the biggest factor in all of these things? Yeah, I, I think that, I think even if we hadn't made that change, cricket would be faster, hmm. right? I think the the bigger difference is that with the lack of reverse, and as I said, it's not just one thing now, it's it's the balls and it's also the way they prepare the ball and the mm. saliva. So I suppose it's three things, right? Um, yeah. Uh, I, I do think from that perspective that you certainly have a situation where seam bowlers are struggling from overs 10 mm. to 40. But if you look back to the 2019 World Cup, seam bowlers started bowling the short ball. So the seam bowlers have already come up with one tactic that they, that they want. There are more slow balls bowled now in ODI cricket than we have ever seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, So the big move in, in slow balls originally was in T20 cricket. So there is a way to come back. But yes, if you are a seam bowler in... And if you're a seam bowler who's not a new ball specialist, I think one-day cricket is a lot harder now than it was in that previous era. And there's there's no – I don't think there's any – you can make any argument for that. That doesn't mean that certain bowlers won't be – I mean, Liam Plunkett just helped England win a World Cup. And he came up yeah. – again, that's another method that we didn't have before, right? Hmm. Um, so it's still, it's still possible to be good, but I think you have to be good in a different way. But if you're talking overall – uh, there is no doubt that in that first 10 overs, uh, the seam bowlers are way better than they used to be. Mm. And the rest of the game, they're not substantially worse, but consistently worse. Have you ever wondered how I watch so much cricket? I use VPNs to log into accounts from all around the world. But because before, even simple things like when something exciting would happen in a match, I would rush over to social media. And when I got there, the clips would say something along the lines of, this video is not available in your area. In fact, most of the coolest cricket stuff in the world at the moment is geo-blocked because some random board didn't sign a deal where you happen to live. If you're a hardcore cricket nerd, the only way is to have a VPN. And we suggest Surfshark. They will give you the speed of your favorite quick bowler. They're as inventive as a T20 batter after a bunch of dot balls, and they're as secure as a specialist wicket keeper with the softest hands in the world. And guess what? The kind folks at Surfshark are going to give you a deal. Enter the promo code Kimba for an extra three months free at surfshark.deals forward slash Kimba. There are probably other things that Surfshark can help you with, like data and identity theft and traceability and intrusive advertising. But for us, it is our best weapon against the evil cricket geoblock. Go to Surfshark and type my name in K-I-M-B-E-R and get three months free today. 
Yeah. You, in a lot of your work, have, you know, quoted the pace playing pandemic and how, you know, averages have dropped for batters. And we see quite a significant dip in test cricket, right? This wasn't in the piece, but I'm just curious to know how much of an impact did the pace playing pandemic have on ODI cricket? Because the wobble ball has been revolutionary, right? As you've mentioned, even in this podcast, Brad. Yeah. So it, it isn't until they reinforce that scene that hmm. we see it. Um, if it was having an effect before, I couldn't find it. I didn't. I don't know if I went through all the first ten overs all the mm. way through, um, which maybe would have shown it a little bit more to me. Uh, but yeah, no, it did change, and it was really interesting. I did a podcast a couple of years ago. I forget the guy's name, um, but uh, I think he's from Insight Analytics. Really, yeah, Aussie Rules Football um, mm-hmm. Analytics guy, and he was saying at the time, everyone should bat like they do in white ball cricket for red ball cricket. Mm. And to be fair, England have given that a fair crack, right? But the minute he said that, the white ball average has dropped. <laughs> and not just in, this isn't just in T20, in one day cricket, it happened in T20 cricket as well. And mm-hmm. both times it's in that first four to six over period or, or sorry, four to 10 over period, depending on the, on the game. So it's very noticeable that it did have an impact on the way that teams have played. But mm-hmm. because the Kookaburra ball wasn't very good with the seam, it did take a long time to notice that. It wasn't, it wasn't, and it's one other thing I would say that all the way through this, there are signs at times that things are changing for batters, mm. for bowlers, and whatever. It's very, very rare that you see an instant sign. And one of the few instant signs we see, right, is that straight away it gets a lot easier to bowl in the first 10 overs because you have a new ball at each end. Mm. And it gets a lot harder to bowl in the last 10 overs. All the rest of the things that people talk about when it comes to these ball and the ball change and what it does don't happen hmm. there isn't masses of runs spinners don't die off those things yeah. just fundamentally do not happen that's what i was coming to actually and that was the most uh, interesting bit from this piece i believe that spinners in this four-year period after conceded 1.6 extra runs per wicket and 0.3 uh, sorry 0.17 runs uh, per over so the economy went down it's better than fast bowlers if we compare it yeah. to paces and the runs per wicket went up. But if you look at the percentages, which you did for this four-year period, spinners fare better than pacers. And the original idea or thought was that you're going to kill spinners off. So how baffled were you? It's not exactly what I thought I would see. I suppose mm. when you're doing a piece like this, you kind of f- hope that you find a weird thing. <laughs> yeah. And when I first did it, because I did it on the raw numbers. And as you just said, when you say the raw numbers, you're just like, oh, well, their spinners have got worse as well. Mm. But then when I remember, was it 0.7 runs and over they were worse? Is that what you just said? They were 0.3 runs per wicket worse and economy was better by like 0.1. Yeah. Um, or is that is that the one in Asia? No, no, no. That's the one overall. Oh, the one overall. So hmm. uh, when, I, when I looked at it and the percentage-wise, and that they hadn't, their runs had not gone up as much hmm. as the pace bowlers, I was interested. It wasn't until I got to the Asian numbers hmm. that I realized that there was something really um, interesting. Yeah. And quick backstory here. I, if you watch the India-Australia series, right? So India had juiced up their pitches as I have for, I don't know, four or five years now to help the spinners. Mm-hmm. And occasionally what would happen, and the same thing happened in the New Zealand series, the England series, and most of the series I've covered in India over the last couple of years. It's impossible to bat against Ashwin, Akshar, Jadeja in those first 40 overs. Sometimes it's impossible to face Moen Ali and uh, Jack Leach and Mm. Todd Murphy and Nathan Lyon in that period. But you look at it, how many times the Indian middle order specifically, six, seven, eight, nine sometimes, made runs. And I was like, this 
this doesn't make any sense. Are you telling me that somehow Ashwin is a better player of a spin now than Virat Kohli? <laughs> like it wasn't making sense. And I think what had happened is it's a combination of a few different things. One is mm -hmm. that traditionally spinners did, just didn't bowl with a new ball all that often. Mm. Limited overs cricket and also the way that Asians have thought about cricket over the years has changed. And so now you're much more likely to be good with the new ball. Like if you, mm. for instance, Graham Swan refused to bowl with a new ball, right? And it was because he just couldn't get it in his fingers properly. I can't imagine a bowler like Graham Swan in 10 years' time existing because spinners mm. will be so used to bowling with the new ball by that stage that it just won't be an issue. Yeah, there might be some who are better at it and worse, but I don't think there'll be anyone who's saying, like Graham Swan used to basically say, can someone just throw that ball in the dirt five times for me, right? Mm. Now you want the opposite. You want the ball to stay as hard and as shiny as possible and you want to bowl early on with it. And when I was watching that Indian series, what really st stood out to me other than the batting records that I just talked about was just the pace and bounce that that new ball was getting. So I look up the records in Asia, right? And mm. I see, oh, shit, from overs 1 to 40, spinners are way better than they are from overs 40 to 80. And I suppose mm. this might have been a bit of a Western bias in my thinking as well because in the way that I think about things, I'm like, well, you throw the, you throw the ball to the spinners um, later on when yeah. the, the quicks have done all their work, right? Which is a different way than Asian cricket has traditionally been. And so now I'm thinking, wait a minute, actually everyone should be bowling with that newer ball and the spinners <laughs> should be bowling with that as well. And the, the averages were hugely different. It was, it was very clear. I kept that in the back of my mind. I hadn't put that together with the two new balls in one day cricket, hmm. right? But when we have a look at these numbers, you do see that the spinners are absolutely dominating in Asia now with these two new balls. And the reason they're dominating is because they have a hard ball which spins quicker, mm -hmm. which bounces more. So if you think about it, they are, it's not just that they're getting, it's not that they're getting more spin. They might actually get more spin with an older ball, but it spins mm -hmm. slower so you can play it, you can play with the spin. And the other thing is that if you're bowling a little bit quicker, which you quite often do in limited overs cricket, it means it's hard for players to come down the wicket to you. So they have to slog you across the line. Well, what helps you when players are slogging across the line against spin is a little bit of extra bounce, right? Mm. You, you want the top edge, but maybe even just the, you know, the outer half of the bat and they spoon it up in the air and you take a catch in, in the outfield. Now I've said all this out loud. I was like, Baron, why did I not know this before? And why had I never <laughs> checked this before, right? And I've bowled in games where I'm bowling mm. with a 60 or 70 year old ball and I'm just like, this mm. is, I might as well have fucking orange in my hand. This, it's spinning <laughs> and it's spinning sideways out of the footmarks, but it's spinning so slow that it doesn't mm. see, you know, the batters are just waiting for the ball to come. But I was shocked that all these people who have been watching cricket in Asia, who've been complaining about, against this conspiracy against them, had not actually picked this up. Right, because mm. I don't watch that much ODI cricket anymore. I watch World Cups, you know, T Twenty cricket and, and and Test cricket are the things I watch the most of. But there are a lot of people who watch absolutely tons of this, and it shocked me that no one had actually uh, had worked out that actually bowling spin in Asia was better now with the two new balls than it was beforehand, mm. um, and that blew my mind a little bit. Yeah, and just for the record, for anyone who's listening in, when Jared says bowling spin in Asia, he's talking about all spinners, not just Asian spinners, and mm. it's not just like. Uh, regular sort of difference. It's it's quite notable. The economy is identical, you know, uh, inside Asia and outside of Asia, but the average drops by like two runs. So that yeah. is very, very significant. And, right? the, economy, and completely... the, the economy being similar is actually a slip down, right? Because if you think hmm. about it, like the yeah. economy should be still going up, 
So it's mm. actually a, a massive positive. Even being par would be a massive positive. So you're right. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was I got the logic that people mm. were saying, which is if you go back and you watch, you know, Darren Lehman or Sanath J. Saria bowling those crappy mm. round arm, left arm finger spin deliveries, right? You'd watch them and you go, those guys need a soft ball, right? Yeah. It makes sense, right? You're almost trying to bowl under the bat, yeah, mm. in, in that old style. What I had thought that Jadeja and Shakib Al Hassan and those sorts of guys would need that as well. And then you look at mm. the numbers and they're even better with mm. the new ball than some of the other spinners. And suddenly you're thinking to yourself, oh, no, of course, because they're quick spinners and they need the ball mm. to spin as quickly as possible as well. So, yeah, it, it completely blew my mind that it was that different all the way through. Um, and, you know, it certainly showed that that was something we just missed. We just, as mm. a collective cricket conscious, hadn't seen that thing. And, and I was absolutely shocked by it. And the only other thing I would add is I think that we're much less likely now to see part-time spinners mm. who do bowl the David Hussey overs or the Sachin Tendulkar overs or mm -hmm. the Joe Root overs, those sorts of guys. And I do think that those guys, not, not, all, not just those three players, but those kinds of bowlers in general, where would you put the Glenn Maxwell overs in all of that? Yeah, I, I think Glenn Maxwell is probably a more traditional spinner in that he mm. does spin the ball. I'm more talking about the guys who slide it through a little bit more and bowl a little ah. bit quicker on purpose, right? Mm. I don't think they do very well anymore. And I think that yeah. part of the reason that they don't do well anymore is because that was an easier thing to do with a softer ball hmm. um, and you could get your Yorkers in and you could do all that sort of stuff. Whereas I think now you almost have to bowl like a traditional spinner, right? Hmm. Because the spin and the bounce, especially in Asia we're talking about here, yeah. spin and the bounce is very, very important with these newer mm -hmm. balls. So you don't really want to be sliding the ball through and bowling that. You don't want to be bowling an extra five kilometers quicker. You actually want to bowl probably your most natural pace hmm. and allowing the dip and the spin and maybe the curve on occasion and the bounce to help you. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Tikshana and Mujib and the likes do it, right? In ODI cricket, they they opened the bowling. And, you know, just to correct myself from earlier, those numbers were of spin in Asia prior to the ball change and then after. The economies were identical and the average was two runs better. But we see that for all spinners in Asia. But when we look at Asian spinners all across the world, a lot of them did better, right? Yeah. In in uh, since the change, since the two new ball change, that's a bit baffling because how is that happening? Like even outside of Asia, they're doing better. Like that that's a, a bit of a head scratcher. Well, I think I think the bounce outside of Asia is maybe the most important thing, right? Mm. You know, and also if you are trying to bowl spin outside of Asia, and you have a ball that maybe is getting a little bit soft. Even if you're getting it to turn, you're probably – this is the best way. If You're probably old enough, but a few, a few of the listeners and watchers will be, you know, old enough as well. You would watch a really good spinner in like the 35th over bowl a really good delivery and it mm -hmm. would spin and the batter would just move their hands with the line of the ball and turn it to the leg side and get a single over and over again. That shot, that simple single to get off strike, is way harder in ODI cricket than ever before. Mm. And it's not just hard in Asia. I think it's hard everywhere because now there is a little bit of extra bounce. The balls might skid through a little bit more mm. later on as well. All of those things, it, it, you know, the, the, the balls don't do anything for 
White balls are very, very bad for seam bowlers after about six overs, right? Hmm. But they do retain a little bit of hardness. They're not as hard as red balls at that point. They do, lo- they do lose um, some of that strength. But it, what really happens after that sixth over is the lacquer comes off. Um, hmm. You can't swing them. The seams get flat quicker because something to do with the dying thing that someone tried to explain to me and I didn't understand. Um, so the seams aren't as strong and uh, the lacquer comes off. But the actual hardness still stays there for another 10, 15 overs, right? 20 overs sometimes. Yeah. Up until about that 20, 25 over mark, and they do start to get a little bit softer again at that point. If, if you're a spinner, that allows you, if you are turning the ball, to get mm-hmm. some uh, quick sideways movement. And it also allows you to get a little bit of extra pounds. So you can see that even outside of Asia, it makes sense for a spinner to want a new ball. Whereas for a seamer, once it stops moving laterally, Bounce is the only thing that you have at that point, right? True. And um, it's very rare to see anyone bowling back of a length type uh, deliveries between overs 10 on 30. But hmm. if you do think about it, who was the guy who was the best seamer from overs 10 to 40 um, between 2015 and 2019? Hmm. Was it Liam Plunkett? Six foot six, strong as an ox, getting variable bounce because of the way he held the ball so if other bowlers had had the and you need the ability as well to do that mm. i mean not everyone's his size i think he's six foot six he looks very tall super um, proud of myself for getting that right by the way you put me on the spot and i fucking got yeah it. <laughs> I, I, I think he, he certainly had the most wickets there might have been other guys who had yeah. little periods and mm. did better than him but over a long period of time he was certainly mm. the best seamer right would he have been able to do that before no mm. that form of bowling wouldn't have existed so True. again you know, you have to you have to start thinking about that these sorts of things happen. So Liam Plunkett is an example of someone who probably wouldn't have had the same kind of career and maybe not even a comeback at all mm. if these things have not changed. So I do think that seam bowlers had other skills that they could go to, and that's mm. why they started bowling the short ball specifically and all these different things. But spinners were definitely an, at an advantage with these two new balls just because, l- listen to the word I'm saying, they're spinners. We mm. had turned them into dart bowlers with the old True. ball, right? But they are spinners, and at their actual, in their actual best state, they get spin. And I don't think it's coincidence that wrist spinners do better at striking than um, finger spinners in general, mm. but especially in T20 cricket and occasionally in one-day cricket as well. They put the revolutions on the ball. If you go back before that ball change, wrist spinners were dying out a little bit more, maybe outside of... Australia, Pakistan, and Shahid Afridi was still around, although he's a different mm. kind of wrist spinner anyway. Yeah. Wrist spin has probably come back into vogue, you know, Cool Deep, Shamsi, mm. um, Zampa. Um, I mean, Shahal's not playing in this tournament, but he would be another one. It yep. has come back into vogue a little bit. And what do wrist spinners really want? They want the ball to bounce because mm. they put more overspin on the ball than finger spinners. So I think there's a lot of different things that are there. Yeah, I know lots of more, well, leading edges, top edges and the like. But anyway, to end this podcast, I want to kind of talk about the broader scheme of things, right? You mentioned the white ball being born because of Kerry Packer's televised commercial cash cow, right? Because Mm. it was his pet project and he made it big and one day cricket became a proper thing. And then coloured clothing became a proper thing. But then you also talk about how Kookaburra became that main supplier and then that monopoly did not, you know, help our game with respect to improving the ball. And rather than doing something about the ball, they just went and went with this, as you describe it, as an elegant but uh, lazy and cheap solution of bringing in two new balls. 
So do you think that this piece or the video or this podcast, all the content that we've created on Two New Balls, if someone in the ICC could just see it, right? Do you think it could make a difference or is it going to fall on deaf ears because they get an orgasm whenever they think about more runs being scored? Well, I mean, at the moment, less runs are being scored in one-day cricket because of their two new balls, because yeah. of the, the wobble ball. Um, I think they will see my piece. I, this piece didn't go very viral. I did one hmm. um, not that long ago when the reinforced seam, when I first started working hmm. out what had happened with that, that went very viral. That did annoy the ICC. This piece just didn't go as viral and didn't get picked up as much. Well, I was a bit surprised, actually, um, because I thought there's so many Asian cricket fans who talk about this issue so much. I actually mm. thought it would go a bit more viral. The ICC will basically say, oh, the, it's up to the boards. The boards don't care. Mm. Um, and they won't try and solve this problem. But I know what they'll say because I've heard this from them before. They'll say, Jared, <laughs> this is a nerd problem. No one really cares about this. And I always say the same thing back to them. I said, if you don't care about the thing that's on the field, why would you why do you think anyone else is going to care about it? You guys have to start caring about each individual decision on the field. And at the moment, I think they made a random choice based on crappy balls and they never even thought through how it would affect anything. They probably hoped, as you said, it would lead to more runs. I'm not sure that there's any proof that has led to more runs. <laughs> I think that, you know, if anything now, you might argue that it's going the other way. Um, mm. But the, the truth is that they should be thinking about these things beforehand. Right? Yeah. The unintended consequences um, in cricket, they could have got a bunch of really smart people in a room and go, okay, you, know, you could have got Kumar Sengakar in the room and go, we're going to do this. What's going to happen that we haven't thought about yet? Right? Can we test this somewhere and try it somewhere else? They don't do any of this, Bayram. And so we just end up with their same old crap and, you know, <laughs> and uh, I can't wait for a third ball to be included when they think that will fix all their problems. Yeah, I mean, we do have three bites of the cherry. Oh, sorry, two bites of the cherry currently, but we never know. You could have three in the future. Or if you factor in the Afridi bite, maybe four. I don't know. Depends on how you look at things. But yeah, I think that's a wrap on this podcast. And thanks to all the listeners and watchers for tuning in. Thank you, Jared, for your time. And yeah, we'll see you next week with episode 19. That's all for now from us. Goodbye. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are many other extras as well, including a Discord channel. There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team from 42 help us out with the video side. Orijoti Saina Payu and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Mukunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. 